Hello, this is the Lunar Poetry Podcast. Um, I'm David Turner. Coming up now is part two of the Poetry in Schools discussion or conversation led by Jacob Samuel Rose, and he is joined by Keith Jarrett and Miriam Nash. We had a brief discussion, actually, um, after after the conversation, and all three of the guests, and my, obviously myself included, really do encourage uh, any feedback. So if you want to contact um any of us uh if you have any questions or any tips yourselves or you want to keep the discussion going on we can do that on social media on facebook lunar poach podcast or twitter silent underscore tongue um in the description for this part and the first part you'll find links to the uh the guests uh, social media pages as well so you can get in, co- in contact directly with them if uh, i don't know if you especially if you have questions i suppose about getting into this sort of work yourself if you have ideas for bringing poetry into schools or to young people or um or and outside of schools as well yeah, so uh, i hope you enjoy part two we've spoken a lot about uh our experiences we've had little stories start to flower up oh i remember the time when um in terms of if if we were challenging you to offer up any thoughts, any advice to an emerging poet educator who, who wanted to do more work or who has perhaps run some workshops but is looking to skill up, looking to figure out how to do better, how to succeed, how to develop their vision of success and what success means in a teaching experience. Um, what kinds of things would you put forward from your own experience that, that people should maybe bear in mind? What kinds of thoughts would you offer up as tools or tips of the trade? Uh, so I think to come back to, to the notion of support that mm. we've talked about a lot, I think it's really important to ask yourself, where is my support coming from? Um, and, you know, you, you, I think we, it's easy when you're starting out, or at least for me, I just thought, okay, I need, what do I need to do mm. to be able to do this work, um, to be able to, to be there, to get there and be in that room um, and be able to handle it. But I, you know, I was thinking about external things. Um, I need to meet this person, make this connection, I need, you know, um, but not about the support that's needed. Um, and... You know, we need to ask the organisations that we work with, the schools that we work with, for support. And in order to be able to do that, we need to have a sense of what that support is. Right. Um, and so I think, you know, the, the way to get that starting out is to talk to other poets uh, who have been doing it for longer, the o- others who are just starting out. And even by having a small support group mm. with, you know, between poets who are working in different settings... Um, so maybe you know, like those starting, things are really important. Yeah. starting something up for yourself if you're not aware of something that you can join just being able to say hey guys we're doing we want to do this kind of work what say we band together and share experiences even if we're I mean there is so much that's happening now in terms of spaces that are being set up for people to learn or, I mean there's the Apples and Snakes masterclasses yeah. for example you know there, there are things that are happening but beyond those to be able to kind of create some kind of community or community of practice for yourself yeah absolutely and just to 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 make sure that you have support uh the support that you need wherever Mm. that comes from and um 
yeah, it, it may take a while to fully understand what kind of support it is that that you need, you know, that each person needs. Um, I'm really grateful to um, certain poets that I work with, in particular um, this year, Jasmine Kure, who's, you know, for reaching out and saying, okay, I'm doing this work, you're doing this work, some other people are doing this work. Um, and we don't have supervision, we don't have regular supervision, which is built into some other professions. Um, and, you know, we need to, uh, we need to do whatever we can to ensure that the organisations and the schools that we work with um, help us to get that, but we also need to, to take responsibility for it and, and give it to each other mm. and ourselves. So that's, yeah, I think that's, that's something really important. And the other thing I would say is to, and again, I guess it, it takes a little bit of experimentation, but to try and figure out uh, what kind of teaching uh, work you actually want to do and what kind of work you are suited to doing. Yeah. And that's something that I remember you challenging me on, Jacob, from very early on, you know. <laughs> and and it's, it's great, isn't it, as a learner, you know, years later, you sort of have these moments where you think, oh, this is really, really what Jacob meant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I think, yes, it's, it, it's great to, to go and experiment and I would encourage people to... Um, have the support that they need to be able to bring their work into different environments. Yeah. And, you know, yet don't feel like you always have to be the person leading it. Yeah. Go and be a shadow. Go and shadow yeah. different artists. Expose yourself to different practices. Read books. Um, but also, you know, all the time be reflecting on, like, where do you actually... Uh, where does it actually work for you? Where does it spark for you? And... Um, you know, for example, I think for, for, a, for quite a long time, I felt like I needed to be able to do the one-off workshops where you go and do the assembly in the school and then you work in, in different classrooms. I occasionally still do that work and it can be great fun. But, you know, I, I, I had this mistaken idea that I sort of needed to prove to myself that I could you know, go into almost you, any situation. That you were capable of it, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, actually, um, I much prefer working on longer-term programmes. Yeah. I think I'm much better as a... I'm much better suited to working in a slightly smaller... with a slightly smaller group of students over an extended period of time. Um, and it's very valuable to, to know that. Mm, um, so there's this, um, there's this part of the teaching practice um, in, in terms of the way that I conceive of it anyway, it, which is you have to create space for your students to learn for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. in Caribbean culture, there is this, there, this phrase, if you can't hear, you must feel. Um, and again, the flip side of that can't <laughs> hear, must feel thing is you're going to learn. <laughs> you're going to learn for yourself if you, if you can't take it. And again, actually, what we're celebrating there is it's not just about me telling you um, what it is that you should know. It's about you figuring out for yourself in a constructed space. Right. And um, it's a joy to hear some of those some of that thinking kind of land. Right. Um, yeah. 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 Beautiful. But also that sense of actually really genuinely getting that sense of, well, look, um, 
there's a lot of teaching that needs to be done in this city, in this country, across the world. Not everyone needs to be teaching the same thing or in the same way. No. And actually, you're doing yourself much more of a service if you're you're doing yourself and you're doing your students much more of a service if you're figuring out who you are as teacher, what it is that you can provide. And yeah, great, challenge yourself, but yeah, figure out where you're best placed and, and push that. Yeah, yeah, love that. Any other tips that we want to pass on? Any other tools? I think you, you've said the, the most in, in terms of the most valuable fundamental stuff. I would just go on a practical level um, of just making sure each time you go into a workshop, you know um, that you've covered the basis of, of from as far as what you've been told yeah. and to try and get that information. So I know, generally speaking, I'll try and do a Prezi presentation, but that requires the internet and the projector. Yeah. So just making short basics like that, do they have internet, do they have projector? There's some schools I've been into which don't allow USB sticks yeah. to be used. And I didn't know that right. until like I walked into a school, tried to like, and I thought, come on. <laughs> and I tried to, and I couldn't use that. And so then that created a whole different set of problems. That's like your um, IT department saying, we're yeah. not going to accept any foreign USB yeah. devices because that yeah. might corrupt our network with a virus or something yeah. like that. So forget that. So yeah. I get it now, but at the yeah, same, yeah, it's yeah. just so annoying because every other place that I go, like a USB is kind of the minimum and right. with a PowerPoint or even what like I could have done something just by accessing the documents that I had, but I, I had no way of doing that. Um, then also just knowing if you don't know the place that you're going to, especially if it's a school or something like that, um, just knowing who to go to in, in you know, for specific, if there's any issues come up. Who do you refer the pupils to? Are you going to be there on your own? Mm. Is there going to be someone else there with you? Um, and then again, the, what the different expectations are. You know, do they want you to do turntabling <laughs> without, <laughs> you know, without your consent? Yeah. Um, so yeah, just having that absolutely as as, as much in writing as possible, mm. as well as on the phone, just having good contact with whatever space you're going into mm. and then again just checking checking my own motives obviously it's lovely you know sometimes I, I have gone into a place thinking great it's it's you know a, a couple of hours and I'm getting paid which is nice um, but actually I'm I'm here to share my experience and my knowledge and my craft um, so just making sure I'm at, the, I'm, I'm at the right place to do that. Mm. Um, that's all that I can think of. And I'd jump in and I'd support, I mean, in terms of what you were saying about having things on paper so that mm. you can always refer back to them, um, you know, having those conversations. I know, again, with all the love to the teachers that we work with, we all know that everyone's busy. So we know that sometimes email conversations are mm -hmm. delayed because marking needed to be done and yeah. so on and so forth and really you're the poet who's possibly only in for the one session or only in once a week or once every fortnight or something like that so there are other priorities that get in the way but having that conversation via email so that you've got that kind of chain that you can look through and refer to and if someone says well we thought you were coming in at this particular time and you were needing this you can actually refer back to well actually it was clearly said and disseminated to this 
body of people that this is what we needed just in case there's any confusion mm. you know having that kind of recourse is i think a very good thing um in along the lines of paperwork making sure you've got um your dbs and your crbs and yeah. your uh your public um liability insurance and all those kinds of things um just making sure that you are covered in any and it's again it's all like insurance right it's the kind of stuff you hope you don't need but if you do need it it's good to have in place right um and knowing that there are organizations so for example i believe norway still does this if you sign up as a norway member you get your um you get your public liability insurance and you can do your dbs through them as well um, and there are other organizations that you can approach along those lines. Um, there's an organization called the Artists Network, which isn't necessarily about literature as an art or the literary arts. Um, but yes, yeah, signing up for the Artists Network gives you a fair amount of cover or gives you access to a fair amount of cover for um, public liability insurance and indemnity, um, which I found out about when I was running workshops for the Tate one a while back. Um, and in, in terms of, again, the practicalities, having that awareness of what the culture of the school is yeah. and what the procedures are if something happens. So from simple things like, um, you know, again, we were talking about appropriate dress within a space and knowing that you're probably not going to be going into a school wearing a cap or a hat because in some settings, you know, even if you are dressed neatly but still wearing a hat, um, there is actually a school rule against headwear, you know, knowing that before you go in, um, in case you're having a bad hair day. Um, Which is me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember an experience. There's a, very, there's a very short period of time where I just used to wear caps all the time. And I went into a school in Chicago and I was like, excuse me, sir, you can't wear hats in this school. It's like, oh, because oh, my hair was doing some unspeakable things underneath that hat. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to have to live with this now. So yeah, learn through better experience. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just kind of that sense of whether it's that kind of stuff or whether it's um, if something happens in this classroom, then a student will, because there isn't a, I mean, generally you should have a teacher in the room anyway, ideally, depending on, you know, if you're employed f- almost full time as a teacher or a member of staff, then maybe there's a slightly different thing there. But if you are an artist who's being brought in to run a short-term workshop, then largely you should have a teacher in the room with you as a representative of the school in case anything happens that needs, again, a member of staff to be aware of or to march things through procedures. Mm -hmm. We all know, however, that there are circumstances where you'll arrive, teacher will be there for the first five minutes and then say, you've got this, you've got this, great, good, I'm just going to go off down the mm-hmm. corridor and just take care of this other thing for the next, yep. never see them again. Yep. Um, so kind of knowing what the procedures are and, and what's appropriate, knowing or having some sense of uh, if something happens in the room or if there's a discipline issue, mm-hmm. then you're actually going to that office over there. Mm-hmm. Um, any of that kind of stuff, having those kinds of conversations before you go in. An awareness of the rules or the regulations or the, the kind of procedures around disclosure, for example. If something's said in the room um, that suggests that something's going on at home that needs to be escalated, 
um, knowing who it is that needs to be informed of that and knowing for yourself not putting yourself, for example, in a position where you promise, okay, no one else will mm-hmm. see this material. I promise it's yeah. just you. Yeah. It's just on this piece of paper. But then you see that piece of paper and you're like, oh, wow, there's something to happen. Yeah. And now I am duty bound mm-hmm. to report this or pass this on to someone else who has um, a responsibility for disclosure in this space. Kind of having an awareness of all of those kinds of issues. Um, have have any of you had an experience where a, a student's cried in one of your workshops? Yes. Yes. How did that feel? A few times. Um, there was, and particularly under um, under the, I'll, I'll call it a traineeship. Well, I was really shadowing Peter Khan for a while going right. into the school, and he developed one particular um, session that was guaranteed to, to have at least one pupil cry. Right. Um, and I've since just done it as a one-off workshop. And again, like, you know, they're, they're boiling and it's like, wow. <laughs> and um, and, and it's, also, it's quite a generic thing, you know. It, it's a, um, I mean, the title is like what it's like to be for, you know, someone who, and and there'll always be a few kids who will do something silly, you know, what it's yeah. like to be a spaceman, for those of you yeah. who are. Yeah. Um, but then there'll be someone who, like, what it's like to be bullied or this, yeah. and they'll go really in deep. Yeah. And then suddenly the atmosphere in the whole room changes, yeah. and people are like, whoa, and then the tears come and whatever. And it's brilliant, because I feel, wow, something has been opened and accessed, However, it's how you deal with the, the, the aftercare yeah. and how that is perceived by the institutions. So some schools and school management will think that's a very negative thing. Um, suddenly there are these kids crying and being emotional and it doesn't fit with the school ethos. And then there's... Or, Things have come up in that, yeah. which I then have passed on and disclosed. Because I, I do immediately, and this is something, again, a, a big one, like before um, the writing process saying, look, this is your opportunity to express yourself. At the same time, you know, like I'm, there's, there's no, you know, things that we say about each other. We're not going to gossip about each other in the room. We're not going to allow things, certain things to leave the room. However, if there's something that I'm slightly concerned about, and it's good to know the name, I might, you know, just have a chat with yeah. Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so, and, and that'll be good because, you know, we're, the whole point of this exercise is to open up a bit. That said, you know, we don't want, like, every and everything to be going outside the room. So I, if, if you couch it in those terms, generally speaking, it's, it's worked. Um, so you frame it so there's an awareness of the fact that if anything does flag up, yeah. you may well pass that on to an appropriate person. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's a really good example that you bring up. Um, you know, this exercise that people can take in quite a humorous or light mm. direction, yeah. and if they want to, they could go somewhere more serious. But I think it's really important to have those options and to to never be kind of trying to 
ne to never be pushing people, mm. even without realizing, because mm. that's, you know, we, we would never try and push someone to reveal something they didn't want to. Mm -hmm. But if there's an implicit feeling that in order to um, fulfill the task, you kind of mm. need to dig deep, mm. um, then, you know, you, you, you may not realize how difficult that might be for certain students. So to yeah. always kind yeah. of make sure that um, it, writing a poem about football is as celebrated as writing a poem about, you know, yes. your little sister's illness. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we're, we're creating spaces yeah. for these things to happen, right? Rather than saying you must be this way or that way. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's, so in terms of that kind of, oh, you came in and you made the, 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 the kids cry. What's wrong with you? You're the poet. You're supposed to do fluffy stuff about clouds and things. Yeah. Why are you making them, you know, so there's that yeah. kind of on, on one extreme, that sense of doing the light fluffy work. Yeah. On the other extreme, there's a sense of, well, I'm the poet. I, I'm, I'm supposed to come in here and, and go deep and bring out yeah. all of the, you know, really the, the trauma and all this kind mm -hmm. of, all of that kind of stuff. Um, that notion of creating the space that the students need, mm. yeah. I think is so powerful, yeah. so powerful, rather than, yeah, pushing them in any one direction, but giving them those options. And, and that's the other, like, where <coughs> else is there the opportunity to mm. deal with death in school? Right, right. You know, something right. like that. Whether, at the same time, don't push it. Like, I, I know as someone who's been... Uh, participant in the workshop that you know that at any given moment there are things that I want to write about and I don't want to write about things that I feel safe writing about mm. things I don't feel safe writing about mm. so like just providing that opportunity to to go with it so the yeah like all the the other advice is just to allow a lot of air in in the workshops to to go in multiple directions that don't force yeah. humor and lightness and that don't mm. also force um, stuff that can be really heavy because yeah. I mean yeah sometimes I do want to talk about death and sometimes I want to talk about roses yeah you know yeah, yeah. like or, yeah, yeah. and sometimes both at and, the same time yeah. same part. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and where else I, lo I love yeah. what it is that you just said where else is there for our students to talk about their innermost thoughts and feelings and experiences and their kind of perceptions on the world to bring their insides out in some way in a space that is supported for them to kind of stand up and read that work, put forward that expression and to have a class or a showcase, an audience in that showcase, put hands together and go, yeah, we hear you. Mm. We hear you and we celebrate what it is that you've just written and offered. Um, those are special spaces. Mm. They really are. Yeah. 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 Um, along the lines of these kinds of requirements and things we should bear in mind, <laughs> as people going into schools and running workshops and working with teachers and working with students and doing this work. Um, someone talked to me about the notion of, of looking after yourself in this, because so often we're forgotten. So sometimes I run workshops, in fact, I run a lot of workshops for people who do this kind of work. And I'll say, okay, so who are we serving when we're in the classroom? Who are the stakeholders, right? Who are we thinking about when we're running a workshop? And the first thing that most people will say is the students, obviously the students. Mm. We're there for the students. Okay, yeah, that's good, but there's more. Okay, so who else? Oh, okay, the teachers maybe. Because mm. yeah, actually some of the work that we do benefits the teachers. 
And we're supporting their thinking around what poetry can be and how poetry can work. And we're supporting their understandings of who their students are. They get to see their students in different ways. So yeah, the students, the teachers, yeah. And you're like, actually there's more. And they're like, what? <laughs> who, who else? Who else? Yourself, right? Um, what, what, I mean, what are your thoughts on, on, on that? In terms of that notion of looking after yourself, in the work that you do? How important is that for you as a consideration? Yeah, like, I mean, we've kind of skirted around. Mm. Like, one of the um, big thinkers on, you know, pedagogical theory um, was Paolo Freire. And, like, yeah. he had that kind of banking... Um, he, he, he critiqued that kind of banking model of education where, you know, you have the teacher who's, like, at the top of the pyramid who's sort of imparting knowledge and sort of pouring knowledge into these empty vessels of pupils and they must get as much knowledge as they can and it's sort of that top-down view not only is hierarchical not only belittles students and necessarily aggrandizes the teacher but it also it just it means it sort of ignores the importance of the pupils in some as people who already come into the space with a lot of knowledge and a lot of valuable, a lot of value that they can add. So I know whenever I go into a space, whether it's with adults, but more often with young people, um, that I'm getting something from them. Mm. Um, sometimes it's just mannerisms and, and ways of talking, and I'm paying attention to that. You know, I love language, so I'm thinking, oh, wow, they're saying that in that way. Okay, interesting. Mm. So sometimes it's just that. Um, it's their sense of humour. Sometimes it's their sense of optimism. I, I can be quite pessimistic at the moment um, with politics and everything else, but they're like really young, hopeful, you know, and like, oh, okay, you don't think the world's going to end. Good. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, it's the, it's the, the humour most of all. Like some of these, especially the so-called, you know, problematic kids they come up with even when they're insulting someone no. they'll say something so creative i'm like wow that's amazing that's really great some of the bravery um they're coming with different cultures and different language different first languages sometimes and sometimes if if i get it right and if i'm getting things out of them they'll say well actually you know in turkish or whatever you know we'll say this right and that means that and then so suddenly i'm getting poetry so right. like if i pay attention to myself as a learner and as someone who's soaking up stuff then it changes the whole dynamic mm. and then you know obviously i am the adult in the room and there, there, there needs to be some respect for authority right. but at the same time it's not a hierarchical one it's just I happen to be in control and I'm the one being paid you're the one who's forced to be here <laughs> by law because yeah. you're a minor but actually you have value yeah. and I'm and I'll try and be honest about that as well and say look you know I, I think what you have to contribute is is amazing there's a way in which you're yeah. also being fed by that interaction yeah. right you're gaining from it yeah. there's um so with regards to that kind of pedagogy of the oppressed mm. and all that kind yeah. of thinking of the bank of education there's also a guy called john maida 
um, who put forward this notion of the relationship between traditional leadership and creative leadership. Mm. And the model of traditional leadership um, is kind of analogous to the notion of the orchestra and the conductor, mm. where the teacher is or the leader is the conductor and mm. the orchestra follows, right? Yeah. I'm here, I'm leading and you follow what it is that I'm saying, right? And all of the kind of no, uh, rigid associated notions of that. Mm. Whereas the notion of creative leadership was put forward as um, being analogous with um, the jazz band, where you're a player within this kind of collaborative space and you may lead um, some of the standards, you may lead how things are moving, but again, you're responsive and you're listening and you're, you're in the mix with things. Yeah. And again, that notion of being fed rather than just being solely the lead yeah. of that kind of experience is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Um, I'm really interested in where it is um, that we get our energy from and how we respect yeah. that sense of energy. Because again, being in these kinds of spaces, particularly, uh, is it fair to say that we teach from the heart? Mm. Yes. Yeah. We, we have a care for the work that we do and for the people that we interact with, yeah. right? Yeah. So, so how do you sustain that energy? Where does that energy come from? How do, you, how do you keep that fire and how do you keep some of that energy for yourself? Um, well, it's, it, it's a challenge. And yeah. I think, you know, in, in many ways, because the, the way that I've been working in education is, is some, is quite different to, um, the spoken word educators program where you're, you know, essentially a member of staff yeah. within a school. And there is a, there is a great privilege in that role of being able to come in to a space and, and come out. You're not carrying the, all the weight of that institution in the way that the teachers do every day, mm. you know, that, that they're engaging with that space absolutely every day. And that, you know, we, we all see and know the, the incredible um, work that that is. Um, but even coming in, um, I think, yeah, well, I mean, if I'm teaching in the way that I want to teach, it's very much from the heart. And that can make me very porous as well. That can make me actually quite vulnerable in a way um, if I'm not taking proper care of myself. Um, it can be very overwhelming to come into contact with that many, this many people, this many stories, and to be that open. Um, and, you know, I... I I know that I have a sensitivity there and that's what's part of that's part of what makes me who I am and that makes me want to do this work and the writing and, and the teaching. But um, if if I'm going into a space and I'm not I'm not able to kind of fully hold my own, um, then I you know, I shouldn't be going into that space. Right. And so I think and that's you know, I guess the tricky thing with that, in, in like with any work that we do, is that it's very easy to put up a front. It's very easy to, you know, get good at what you do and be able to, to sort of go through it um, without uh, really being in the right mindset to do it fully mm. um, in a way that kind of fully respects the students, the teachers and yourself. Um, so... For me, uh, it's involved a lot of learning um, about uh, taking care of myself, taking time off when I need to, um, 
paying attention, like just, just, I guess just small things like checking in with myself before going into the classroom, like, oh, how are you doing? Yeah. Um, <laughs> because if you don't have a colleague that you're going in with, you know, they're, they're not there to ask you. And when you meet people who you don't necessarily know that well, um, you're going to be like, hi, I'm great. Yeah, I'm all enthusiasm. Yeah. Um, and you mean it, you know, you want to be that, but you need to check in with yourself and say like, okay, how are you doing? What are you going to do to make sure that this day is okay for you? Okay, you're going to have to actually go out for the lunch break and not be in the staff room where you're going to have to speak to a lot of people. Um, or, you know, you're just going to, like, t you're going to arrive a little bit early in your classroom so you get to kind of see <laughs> see the room, <laughs> just take a breath. But, you know, what are you going to build into your day so that that happens? And I think... It is about, you know, these sort of small actions. Oh, who am I going to call after my session just to say, oh, this went great or this thing goes so great so that you're not carrying everything by yourself. So if you're listening, myself and Keith, we're both gesticulating wildly and <laughs> <Yes>. nodding, <laughs> it, you know, with, with just fervor here yeah. for everything that Miriam's saying because it is all so important and it is so crucial and vital. But it is also easy to, I mean, I think we all kind of, there are points. Okay, let me put it in this way. Do you have that experience where you kind of pick up and realize that you're actually in the middle of a period of time where you haven't been looking after yourself and all those good things that you should be doing have just fallen by the wayside because you got busy and it just became really difficult to keep all of that stuff up and you, you kind of realize what it is that you're actually missing. Have we, have we all had that experience? Oh, yes. Yeah, of course, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so important, but it is so easy for those things to fall by the wayside. It needs to become part of our practice yeah right and also it can be shared you know yeah. i think you we shouldn't underestimate the 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 people that we work with the teachers you know if you're on a slightly longer term program mm -hmm. you can get you get to know your the teachers that you work with and and you know be able to have a little conversation little wind down afterwards debrief you know how did it go like we mm. we need those things we shouldn't think that we can just function completely on our own mm. Um, we are not machines. Yeah, no. yeah. And 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 even if, um, for if that if you do find yourself in that situation where you are kind of on your on your own and you do feel you've kind of been left mm -hmm. to own devices, are just the basics of proper sleep yeah. and yeah. decent nutrition, especially yeah. if you're like going from class to class, just making sure you're eating properly and sleeping properly. Um, I find that helps and when I start to let that go it's usually because there's other things going on and I'm feeling a bit stressed and overwhelmed and then you know sure enough a few weeks later I'm ill or yeah. you know something's not quite right so yeah for sure for sure um, what is our work worth it's that great question that you get asked, you know, yeah. in the if you have some time where your students can ask you questions and it's maybe the first session, there'll usually be someone who's like, how much are you being paid? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. Do you get paid for this, sir? Do you get paid for this, miss? How much? Yeah. What is our work worth? And do you... Um, 
So y y'all have been teaching in various different ways and guises for, you know, a fair while now, mm. right? Um, do you still have that kind of awkward moment when someone asks you to come in and run a workshop and they, they maybe they haven't pitched the fee yet and you're like, they haven't pitched a fee yet. At what point do I actually start to talk about a fee? Or do you, do you guys still have that kind of that thinking, that thought, that that awkwardness around asking for monies for the work that, that's done, or asking for a fair set of monies for the work that's done? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I I can be depending on who I can be really awkward anyway with with emails and stuff, um, <laughs> with conversation even. Like it just depends what space I'm in. But um, yeah, I, it's best to be just upfront from yeah. the get-go um, on a couple of occasions it's been expected that it would be free which is weird um, but yeah otherwise it's it's good to know beforehand and just there are polite ways of doing it and I think that comes with practice of just saying you know even having it as part of a list I was you know so what kind of a fee how long you know, basic because again, when they say half a day, you know, half a school day can can mean like from eight till two. Yeah. <laughs> um, which you know, in a full school day is only an hour and a half extra. So it's like okay, so th things like that um, come as part of it. And I know I think apples and snakes and other places do actually say um, what the kind of expected going rate is, so you can find out. You know, if if people are really, you know, being insulting you by, you know, offering you fifty quid for a whole day, and travelling up to, you know, to, to some place where it will cost you that much to get there, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I I still find it awkward, but I'm getting used. To, I I know that I do a better job if I feel that I'm not being insulted. You know, I'm being paid a decent amount and I'm expected to turn up and it's professional and then I behave like professional. But if they're sort of just treating it like, you know, it's a little favor, then of course I'm not gonna come in, as you know, as good as my attentions are, um, my spirit isn't gonna be the same as if I feel I'm doing a professional job. Um, so yeah, that's my rambling answer. Miriam, your thoughts on that sense of awkwardness in terms of um, what it means to have that conversation around monies when it comes to this work? Because, you know, there is this sense of you're an artist, you should enjoy doing this, you know, that kind of thing, right? Yeah, I think what's tricky about that as well is that because we generally get paid in daily rates, the daily rates seem really high to, may mm -hmm. seem high to people who are on a, on a salary, a regular salary. And that's really understandable, but it's just a very different way of being paid. So, you know, if your daily rate is £250, £300, you know, these may, it may sound like a lot of money, but um, when you factor in the fact that there's, you, you cannot do that work every day, necessarily, um, and you're bringing in your you, you're really bringing in your expertise and the job that you're doing is not something that you can do in an everyday way. You're actually being paid to come in to do something special. And so you can't go about your business in a kind of everyday way, you know? It, um, so I think that it's 
yeah, it's really important that that is being valued and understood. And um, I feel really lucky in the teachers that I'm working with at the moment. I've, I've been having a really good experience uh, with the schools that I've been working with in the last year. Um, and I think it's, you know, because I've been trying to work more with schools that are um, delivering long-term programmes, there's already that investment, um, you know, and that's that's amazing to be able to work with, with teachers who on top of everything else that they have to do are putting on this after-school programme or making sure that in the time, in the incredibly stretched timetable, there's time for this thing. Um, so I don't, I don't think that there's necessarily, I don't know that I feel awkward, but I still don't necessarily feel great at um, uh, negotiating on my own behalf. Um, and I think that's something that we, again, can easily take for granted. Like, I'm a writer, I'm an educator, you know, I know I can deliver a great workshop um, and I love what I do, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I have all those skills of uh, being a freelance professional, you know, and the, I'm not necessarily great at all the mechanics of that. And it's a really um, important part of it, that notion of, um, I mean, a lot of what we've been talking about in this time has been, you know, how we manifest as educators, as poet educators or artist educators or teaching artists in educational spaces. But there's a large part of this conversation that really is about how we operate as creative professionals, mm -hmm. how we do that work of um, promoting ourselves, how we do that work of managing the administration and how we do that work of managing the finance of what it is that we do. I mean, we were talking a little bit earlier about the notion of really the work that we're doing kind of being almost unregulated. Yeah. Um, as you were saying, there are no supervisors necessarily. You're working for yourself. Um, but that also means that you are responsible for setting your kind of pay grades, so to speak. Um, if we simply go by, so yeah, there's an awareness of the, the market that we exist within and what the economy is, right? And what a fair rate might be in relation to generally what budgets are available from schools and all that kind of thing. But there's also a sense in which if you're constantly going by just what the set rate is, so again, for example, we might use the, the measure of an apples and snakes rate, which I think is fantastic in terms of an understanding of a baseline. Um, but if we continue to take that as simply the baseline, there is, um, you know, where do you go in terms of as you grow and develop experience, yeah. are you always going to be at that rate? And how is that rate indexed, for example, to inflation? Yeah. And how do you, I mean, do you get a pay rise at any point in this career, yeah. right? If you don't, how do you factor that in to the way that... You know, we have to think about how our work can be sustainable for ourselves and how it is that our work, and we, as we consider it as work, mm. um, how it is that our work facilitates the lives that we live in the same way as anyone else's work in any other sector or industry will facilitate the lives that they live, you know? Yeah. yeah. And that's the respect and the professionalization yes. issue. You know, yeah. like when I feel. I'm being, you know, respected for my time and with, you know, money-wise, then I walk into the space very differently. As a professional. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. All right. There is so much to speak about. There's so much else that we could talk about, but we've been in this room for a fair while now. And I think we've touched on a fair number of topics. I hope you, the listener, have gained something from this conversation. Um, I know it's been a joy to be in this room with Keith and Miriam. Thank you, Keith. Thank you, Miriam. Thank you. Thank you. More than welcome. And thanks to uh, David Turner and Luna Poetry Podcast for making this possible and make this, making this happen. Um, thank you for listening.